are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Thanks again to Dr. Nancy Waltman from UNMC for stopping by talking about their uh, important uh, study that they've got going on. Things like that are, are, are going to be important in solving America's healthcare challenge because what, what good is uh, treating a disease if we, we can't study more about it and work with people who are, are really affected? And so even though it's kind of a narrow focus, it's, it's, uh, the, they're focusing on the, the highest risk population of, of individuals that might get that type of uh, disease. And so uh, that's why you should definitely give them a call. Uh, if you wish to uh, be interested in being part of the of their study, so let's take a look now at some market forces uh, impacting healthcare. This is from a hospital association's uh, economic uh, study that they did. Lots of good information in there, so we'll go down uh, point by point, and um, I'm going to kind of highlight some of the from a high level the the important things. To make sense. So our first category that they're looking at is called consumers and patients. And the first statistic I'd like to throw out there is 78 million baby boomers are expected to live longer. Many with chronic diseases providing adequate care for them continues to put pressure on the healthcare system. I think we can all agree with that. I've talked about that at length on this program. According to the Administration of Aging, 65-year-old person can expect on average to live to the age of 84 the highest life expectancy rate of Americans in history, and palliative care is rapidly growing field. So that's one of the key important things to talk about. We have, I think it was almost 10,000 people a day eligible for Medicare, I believe was a statistic. So this is something important for doctors, for people on the program, and important for us as Americans because uh, Medicare is the highest, one of the highest uh, expenses in our federal budget. Here's another thing for consumer and patients. I'll, I'll talk about this at length. Cost shifting is impacting affordability for many Americans. The health insurance industry is completely changing. They completely reformed it. Plans that you might have had are, are going to be different, and many of them are going to high deductibles. Maybe you work for an organization and your deductible has gone up. The reason is because health insurance premiums are, are, are skyrocketing out of control because the cost of health care is so expensive. And the percentage of workers with high deductible plans increased 4% from 2006 to 20% in 2013. From 4 to 20, these are those high deductible plans, 5000 6000 sometimes $10,000 for a family. And the average patient deductible has nearly doubled, and the typical deductible now exceeds the typical families available savings i think it was like 70 percent of people the deductible is more than 70 percent of people have in their um, bank accounts which is kind of a startling statistic finally on that point an individual's behavior is by far the single most important contributor to his or all over health overall health i've talked about this many times in the past how do we solve this problem without changing uh, health care behavior I don't know the answer to that, but that's something that we need to continue to talk about. Nearly 70% of these organizations are, uh, organization, I mean healthcare organizations, are moving towards these value-based contracts, 
and this increase in healthcare consumerism because everybody now has a high deductible plan. And so maybe instead of having a CT scan at one place for 2000 they might do their homework because they are paying for it up to their deductible. And they might check and see if they can find a better deal on the other side of town. I can tell you what, there's organizations out there that are uh, really capitalizing on the healthcare price transparency when the administration dropped uh, a regulation or allowed Medicare payment uh, pricing data to be uh, accessed and people in California and other places really uh, jumped onto that and are, are looking at um, all of these things and healthcare price transparency is kind of the next big thing and it makes sense again because everybody now has these high deductible plans. Finally, um, let's move over to economy and finance. That's the next one. Nonprofit hospitals are accelerating. Uh, that's interesting. Um, that they were accelerating, but after 2008, the outline outlook for this, those sectors are negative. So that's why many people are merging together. Hospitals' main concerns right now are are their top line revenue constraints. It's leading them to uh, have a lower operating margin. That's what they need to keep the lights on. I think one, f one of my favorite uh, terms is there's no mar mission without margin. You can't help people if you don't have the money to make it happen, and a lot of them are facing <laughs> difficult, difficult things. The, ho the overall health care prices in hospitals are, are, are actually going down, it looks like. Uh, that's good because of consolidation, and they're doing other things. So that's at least a good point uh, of notice. They had to go down because they're getting reimbursed less. And then finally, um, for non Profit and nonprofit hospitals, a decline in number of uninsured individuals as a result of health care reform will reduce bad debt. So that's a good thing for them, which is a credit positive. But, as again, as I've said this before, as out-of-pockets for patients continue to increase because of these high-deductible plans, volume will remain weak, and that's why they're going to continue to merge together. Moving on to information technology. Information technology, a huge thing impacting uh, the economics of healthcare right now. Data interoperability, I've talked about it before, all of these systems, investments that they have to make, and nobody is able to actually talk to them. So a robust IT infrastructure to support these new models is going to be paramount for these organizations as they work together, as well being able to coordinate care for those individuals with complex healthcare conditions. Maybe they see more than one physician. How do they make that all you know, work together efficiently and so be able to maybe, for example, share medical records. There are still places in this country that um, you might have a, a heart attack and they would order all these new tests because they can't access your medical records to you know, look at your patient history. So interoperability is important. Let's move over to insurance. We are the United States of insurance. Corporations, again, moving these... Uh, things to uh, defined benefits. Uh, many people are, are starting to do that. However, they need to be careful as far as the tax implications because the IRS released a new rule saying that individuals, uh, the, the, it has to be post-tax dollars. They can't get pre-tax to give defined contribution. That's an easy way to solve this problem if Congress wanted to actually do something and and, and make, make that change. I don't know how much it, it would cost for them to do it. I think that number is probably not that much, but that would increase, um, again, health care transparency and allow 
uh, every employee to shop for a plan that works for them as opposed to being stuck with the one or two um, options that they might be given uh, from their agent or broker. Usually most businesses offer one, maybe two. Sometimes they'll offer more than that, but usually one or two. So that's something to watch out. Uh, these private exchanges are becoming huge. If you want to learn more about a private exchange, I know uh, the right person to talk to. Oh, yeah, that would be me uh, because our company, Edie Bellis, actually owns a license to serve, as we call it, with our technology. It is a uh, private marketplace that can not only automate all of these compliance things but uh, allow employees to access and shop uh, rather smoothly just like they might shop for things on Amazon and some other things. If you'd like to learn more about the uh, Edie Bellis Managed Marketplace, 402-884-9020 is the number, and we're happy to set up a demonstration. Finally, uh, well, we got two more physicians. We're making our way down the alphabet. Physicians are, I've talked about this before. I really feel sorry for them in many ways because of all of the, the uh, requirements and, and bureaucracy that they have to, to go through instead of actually seeing patients, which has to be frustrating, especially since they invested so much time into becoming a physician. Many people don't realize that they go to school forever, and so they're essentially giving up earning of their earning power of their entire you know 20s or whatever that that's if they go through 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 um you know all the way through maybe some people would go through medical school later but my point is they've got all of this debt they've given up 10 years of earning power and now they're being kind of forced into to salary based some of them might like that but i think uh i think physicians should get paid huge money i really do and i uh i think uh the market should determine it but some of them are, are, are going to be um, moving over to these salary-based, and, and that's because the, the payment models, again, are changing. Value-based purchasing or value-based creates incentives for integration of these physician systems with hospitals, so a lot of them will be employed by the, by the hospital. And um, it's going to be something, something to, to watch. And I was actually startled by this chart that I found on Twitter that uh, looked at the number, the growth between our, how many physicians we're producing here in America, which it is a problem. We're facing a shortage in the next 10 years. But from 1970 to 2009, you can check it out. I just retweeted it. The growth of physicians has stayed pretty steady. But guess how much, when they put it compared to uh, the number of administrators or, or people that work in the office, they have grown by three thousand percent the amount of administrators in healthcare has grown there's been three thousand percent more people hired to do the bills or the administration than there are doctors to take care of patients so what does that tell you about our system that has one out of every three dollars spent on redundancy administration and, and all of these things i don't really know what the answer is because it just seems to be getting worse but all of these things challenge physicians because they have to pay these people they have to pay somebody new to keep up with compliance they have to pay somebody new to deal with all the billing they have to pay somebody to deal with the insurance companies that now suddenly as they're limited on how much they can make are, are putting up fights by allowing you know making pre-authorizations required for certain things and so the doctor's got to have to have either write a letter or do some all of these things take away from actually not only number one which is most important taking care of patients 
Obviously, that's what they want to do, and I think they should be able to do it. But number two, doing research. Doing research. And I don't think we, we do enough in this country to, uh, to support research. We had the opportunity this week here on NRG Media to uh, help uh, partner with UNMC on their new Buffett Cancer Center. I got to, to uh, host for two days and uh, really, really compelling stories and the amount of research that's going to be going on there is exactly what's needed to solve these problems, prevent these diseases. But unfortunately, um, the, there's too much paperwork in the way, so we need to figure out a way to, to make it less bureaucratic, figure out a way to find more funds available for people to do medical research. Because if we don't, as a nation, uh, the power elite or the rich will, because they actually are. There was actually a study in the Wall Street Journal. Some of the wealthiest individuals in this country are going to uh, be studying ways and throwing down big amounts of cash to studying how we can uh, live forever. You may think that's crazy, but think about how about 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, how long people had to wait just to get a liver transplant. And now a 3D printer recently printed cells for a liver that actually worked in mice. So what does that mean? In some, in the future, I think we're going to be able to print out a new liver if you can afford it. And I think that's somewhat exciting. I think we need to continue to, to do research or uh, if we don't, um, unfortunately, it's going to be a two-class system. I think the ultra-rich are going to have uh, access to uh, crazy, uh, unbelievable healthcare innovations, and everybody else is just going to be kind of stuck. And so I'm going to come back and give you my final thoughts on where we need to go from here, I think, as a nation, uh, helping to uh, continue supporting research, development, and other things to solve this. And I'll talk more about how Edie Vellis, uh, the sponsor of this program, helps organizations do just that. You're listening to America's Health care challenge. I am Sean McGuire. Hope you're having a great day and I'll be back right after this.